we've been doing this amazing series called I Am. We just started last week. If you missed the series I, I Am, what, what the series is all about is, is what does this word G-O-D mean? This word G-O-D, God. What does it mean? Does this word God mean the same to me as it does to my neighbor? You know, we live in a country that's a mounting pot of nationalities and people of different religious backgrounds. So when I say I believe in God to somebody else, it couldn't mean something totally different. Right? When someone says, oh, you know, I believe in the man upstairs, right? I mean, what does that even mean? The man upstairs is, you know, and, and so if you believe in the man upstairs, does that mean, is that the same as what I mean? Well, this is what the series is all about, is, I, is, is identifying who do we actually believe? Like, I remember growing up, and, and as, even as a young child growing up, going along to church, I believed that Jesus was, Jesus was a created being, that God created being. But when we, when we look at our Bibles, and, and at our Bibles are who the, what the Bible says about Jesus, it's, the Bible reveals something really different about who Jesus is. And this is what the series is all about, is that we need to identify who God is through the lens of the Bible, of the Word of God, of who is God and what does the Bible reveal about Jesus? And this is what today's message is all about. What does the Bible reveal about Jesus? And if you're looking for a title for today's message, uh, the title is, what is the title of today's message? It is Jesus the I Am. Jesus the I Am. So if you're looking for the title of today's message, Jesus the I Am. What's really amazing about Jesus the I Am is, is, is incredible of what Scripture actually says. So let's go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. And let's have a look at what the Bible says. What the, what the writer of the Gospel of Mark says. Is, this is what, the, what Mark says. He said, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. Right? This is what it's, what it's saying. So when, when, when we read the opening pages of Mark, the, 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 the first words that Mark write, writes in his gospel, you know, for many of us, it doesn't grab our attention. For many of us, when we read this, we don't go, OMG. There's no, like, mic drop moment when we read this passage. In fact, we just say, okay, that's nice. That's, that's nice, Mark. Let's get on to the story. Let's get into what Jesus is saying. Now, before the, the, the original audience of Mark 2,000 years ago, who was steeped in the Old Testament, these words, the statement that Mark makes, it's, an, it's a mic drop moment, right? When, 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 when Mark's original audiences heard this opening statement, this opening statement of, of Mark, they're like, mind-blowing what he just said. We miss it because because. We, we haven't memorized the old, the old Testament, right? We miss what he is saying. And it's kind of like this. And, and we, we kind of make these kind of statements. So Mark opens up and he gives a statement. And all, and all of a sudden, people in the, in, um, of their time, straight away, they know exactly what he's talking about. And what he's talking about is Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 opens up in, in their minds and they go, wow, this is where we are in the story. Isaiah chapter 40. Now, we use these kind of statements all the time, right? When we want to put a point across. Right, and we, we either use statements or even movie quotes. Now, if I said to you, I am your father, right? If I said that to you, so for many of you, especially if you're familiar with Star Wars, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I say, 
I am your father. Immediately in your mind, what's opening, just by saying these four words, and there's an I am statement in there, I don't know if you saw that, I am your father. With those four words alone, straight away you know exactly the scene. You can see it in your mind. It's, you can see, okay, this is Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. And here's Luke Skywalker. He's just had an epic lightsaber duel with Darth Vader. And he's hanging at the top of the spiral. And he's clinging for his life. And he's having this dialogue with Darth Vader. And, he, and Darth and Darth Vader, Darth Vader saying to Luke, you know, you know, Obi-Wan lied to you about your father. And you're going, oh, you killed my father. And then Luke, then Darth Vader says this epic line, right? I am your father. Mind-blowing. It's got to be one of the biggest twists in all cinematic history, right? This twist, if you've never seen Star Wars, if you haven't seen it, sorry for ruining the plot line. But, this, but just by me saying these four words alone, I am your father. In your mind, it's filled straight away. Well, this is what Mark is doing. When Mark makes the statement in the beginning of his gospel, already people's minds are just blown wide open. They're thinking of Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 just fills their mind. And so let us read Isaiah 40 just so we can get context of what Mark is trying to say here. So, so this passage becomes really significant to the Jewish people during this time period. Because during this time period, they're under the power of Rome. Right, So Isaiah 40 gives them hope. So let us read Isaiah 40 so we can get the context of what Mark is trying to say here, just in these opening lines. And this is what Isaiah 40 says, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that your hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's Double hand for all her sins. And if you, if you watched last week's message, if you're part of last week's message, so when we see these capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, right? What we spoke about last week, when you see the capital L, kept these all in capital letters, this is our English translation giving us a little clue that this, these capital letters isn't the Hebrew word for Lord, but it's a divine name, the divine, the divine name of God, Yahweh. And last week we just blew that open. What does that mean? What does Yahweh mean, it's the I am who I am. And the I am who I am is with you, right? This is what Yahweh means. So this is, this, so here we go. So that she has received from Yahweh, Yahweh's hand a double or more than enough for all her sins. So I, Isaiah is writing this 700 years before the birth of Christ. And Israel, they'll find themselves in exile for the consequences of their sin. And the voice comes and says, now that season is done. Your sins are now dealt with and paid for. Right? And then we go into verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So, so what do we have here? We have sins are forgiven. Right? There's a messenger and he's proclaiming that Yahweh is returning. He's proclaiming Yahweh is returning. Let's jump down to verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on the high mountains. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. And last week, this word God is Elohim. Here is your Elohim. So we have this, we have this messenger who's proclaiming. What's the messenger proclaiming? Good news, good news. And this is where we get this translation gospel from. It's the old English word, um, good spell. 
Gospel. Gospel. This is what gospel means. Gospel means good news. So whenever Jesus, whenever Jesus quotes good news within the gospel messages, he's, he's quoting Isaiah 40. Good news. This is where this, this whole word of, yeah, I bring the good news, it comes from Isaiah 40. This is where we get it from. Uh, good news, the gospel, comes from Isaiah 40. So Yahweh is returning. What's your, your, uh, Yahweh returning with? Okay, verse 10. See that the sovereign Lord, see that Yahweh comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Right? So Yahweh is coming back. Why is Yahweh coming back? He's coming back to bring his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Yahweh is coming and he's bringing his kingdom and he's going to rule as king. And he's going to bring with him reward and recompense. What's recompense? It's to bring justice, to hold those accountable, right? So this is what Isaiah 40 is all about. Yahweh is returning and he's coming to forgive sins. He's coming to forgive his sins. And he's, not only that, he's, he's bringing his kingdom with him. And he's going to rule as king. He's going to bring reward and recompense. Let's go to verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. Like, man, it's just, all of a sudden, there's like a, a cut in the scene. You know, it's Yahweh, he's returning, the return of the king with power, with, 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 uh, with strength, with glory. And then next you not, the scene cuts. And, 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 and it's describing Yahweh as this caring shepherd. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs. In his arms, he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. He leads them along. And it's just this picture of, of, of Yahweh who's a caring shepherd. Yeah, so he's coming to bring justice, right? And he's coming and, and to pay, but he's also coming back to, to pay, pay attention to the weak and the vulnerable to bring mercy. So he's coming back to bring justice, but he's also coming to pay attention to those who are weak those who are vulnerable, to bring mercy. And so this is the, the whole story that Mark, that, that Mark opens with, just by saying this, these few lines, and he wants you, you to have this in your mind. He wants you to see this, Isaiah 40, in your mind, when he's saying that, 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 that Isaiah 40 is what everyone is waiting for. Everyone is waiting for Isaiah 40, that, that Yahweh is going to return and he's going to forgive sin. And he, and and a messenger is coming, and he's proclaiming that, that Yahweh is coming, and he's bringing his kingdom with him, and he's going to rule as king. So this is what everyone is waiting for. So let us read Mark chapter 1 again, verse 1, with this in our mind. Okay, here we go. Let's read that again. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of, beginning of what? The good news. Isaiah 40, right? The beginning of the good news about Jesus. And oh, I love this. Uh, do you know what Jesus means in Hebrew? Do you know what his name means in Hebrew? Jesus' name means in Hebrew, Yahweh brings salvation. That's what Jesus' name means. Yahweh brings salvation. You know, Jesus knew his identity. Right from when he was born, when someone asked his name, what's your name? Yahweh brings salvation. That's who I am. I am Yahweh who brings salvation. So the beginning of the good news, Yahweh brings salvation, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I am your father, right? Straight away, a mind-blowing moment, right? It's like the hearers of Mark would go, straight away see Isaiah 40 in their mind, and they're like, oh my goodness, is this where we are in the story? Are we in the Isaiah 40? Is this where we are? 
And this is what they're thinking. This is, this is what they're thinking. This is where we are in the story. So who is this messenger? And we go into verse 4 of Mark chapter 1. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance. A repentance of what? For forgiveness of sin. It's Isaiah 40. So John the Baptist, he arrives on the scene and he's preparing the arrival of who? He's preparing the arrival of Yahweh. Of Yahweh. So, so here we are, 2,000 years later, and us as modern, right, we're modern day readers, right? And we're looking back and we're, and we're reading the Gospels. What we want to see, what, what, what we want the New Testament writers to say, we want them to say that Jesus is God, right? Isn't that what we want to see? We want to see, that, we, we want to see Mark say that Jesus is Yahweh in the flesh and, and, and Yahweh has come and, and he's come to forgive you of your sins. We, we want Mark to say that. Well, here's the thing. Um, Mark is in English and he doesn't speak English. And what's really funny is that that's exactly what Mark says. But he says it in a very Jewish way. He says Jesus is Yahweh and he's come to forgive sins. And it's happening, Isaiah 40, it's happening right before your eyes. And so when we read the book of Mark and Mark chapter 1 and we see that he's Jesus, that he's Yahweh, He's in the Yahweh slot and he's, he's, and he's healing people and, 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 he's caring, and he's caring for the weak and the, and the vulnerable. He's the shepherd that's come and, he, and, he, and, he, and he's driving away demons and, 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 he's, and Jesus is walking around acting and talking like he's Yahweh. And then we get to chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1 is one of my favorite descriptions of Jesus. I mean, I preach on this, this chapter maybe every couple of years. You know, and if you don't know this, you, you, you need to get this memorized in your head. This is powerful, powerful a part in the gospel. So let's read Mark chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, okay, and so we saw in chapter 1 he was in Capernaum, he went to Peter's house. Peter and Andrew's house, Simon and Andrew's house, went to Peter's house. Now he's back, and he's come back to Peter's house. The people heard that he had come had come home, so they gathered in such a large number that there was no room left. Because people have heard about Jesus, that he's, he's acting and walking around like Yahweh. And people are like saying, is this Isaiah 40? Is this Isaiah 40? And people are coming and they're, they're bringing the sick. And so they're in Peter's house. And it's not a very, these houses weren't big. You know, and, and this place is packed, packed to the rafters. And they gathered in such a large number, there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to, to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So each holding each corner, carrying this paralyzed man. Since they could not get to him, right? They get there, they couldn't get in there because of the crowd, because of the crowd right? And, and you can just imagine these guys, they're desperate to get their friend to Jesus. They've heard about him. Okay, could this be? Could this be Yahweh? He's the only one. If he is Yahweh, then he's the only one who can heal our friend. They're desperate to get to Jesus. And they can't get through the door. And they say, well, if we, can't, if we can't get through the door, then we can go up. We can go up. Let us go up. All right? And so they make their way up the external staircase to the roof. And, 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 it, and it goes on. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat. The man was lying on it. So, so these roofs, they're, they're not like A-frame roofs that we have today. These are flat roofs. They're flat. And, and, the, and because... These roofs are they're, they're valuable space. They're valuable workspace. This is where they hang. This is where Peter hung his laundry, or his mum hung his laundry, because it tells us that Peter's mum lived with him. 
So, right, so... Um, uh, Hung his laundry, or Peter's mother-in-law hung his laundry or whatever, or, or maybe this is where he dried his nets. He was a fisherman. But it was, the point is, it's a valuable workspace. And this is a solid floor, right? It wasn't some, something that was just a couple of branches. It was just a solid floor. So these guys, man, they're doing a de- demolition job on their roof. It's a floor, solid floor. So they're hacking away. You can, you can just only imagine. I'm just thinking, here's Jesus. He's preaching away to everybody. All of a sudden, there's this noise coming from the top. This is a solid floor. These guys are hacking through the roof. There's dust falling down. There's things happening. What did Jesus just? Well, I was just thinking, does Jesus just keep preaching? And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, light floods the place as, as a hole opens up in the roof, right? And then they lower their friends right before Jesus, right before Jesus. I love this. Verse 5, when Jesus saw, whose faith? Whose faith did Jesus see? He saw their faith. He saw their faith. Now, how does Jesus know that they have faith? Did Jesus have a conversation with them? Because do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? You should do. Okay. No, no, he doesn't say he had a conversation here. How does he know they have faith? They just put a hole in the roof and lowered their friend through a hole. He saw their faith by their action. It's, it's faith and action. It's James. When we read the book of James, it's faith and action. You, you know, you've got faith. I'll show you. You, my faith, by my actions, by what I do. See, if you want to know what I actually believe, if you want to know what I actually believe, don't listen to what I say, but what I do, right? Because my actions prove what I say. My actions will prove what I say. See, what we actually believe is based upon the choices we make. See, what you actually believe is based upon your choices, right? So what does action do? Action shows us our faith. Action shows our faith. And he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. So who does Jesus speak to? Right? He's speaking to the paralyzed man. But what is he responding to? Jesus is responding to their faith, to his friend's faith. He's responding to their faith. So there are seasons in our lives. Come on. There are seasons as followers of Jesus who love God with all our heart. There are seasons in our lives where we struggle in our faith, where we struggle when we go through hard times and, and we go through these times and, and it's during these times is where we need a community around us to carry us through, right? We need a band of brothers, a band of sisters, the fellowship of the men, people to carry us through. There are seasons when we need a community. You know, our, our, our Christian faith, it's about a community. We're not some, some lone wolf McQuaid's out there, Right? We're not a lone wolf. We are not an island. Our Christian walk was never meant to be alone. Even though we're in lockdown, we're still connected. We're still connected. We're, still, we're, we're better together. We're never meant to be on our own. And, and the Bible, kind of, and, and, and here they are. Here's this man in, in this low point. And there are times when we're, when we're in a low point. And there are seasons in our life when we need a community around us. We're better together. Let me get to... So when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, if you were the paralyzed man and Jesus said this to you, what would you be thinking? Right? I'd be saying, well, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins. But, you know, I've kind of got this, this thing, right? My legs don't walk. They don't, they don't work. They don't walk. You know, thank you for forgiving my sins. But there's actually, I've got a, a more of a pressing need at hand, right? This is what, what you'll be thinking. This is what I'll be thinking, right? So, so but why doesn't Jesus... 
heal the man first. Why, why doesn't he just say, hey, pick up your mat and walk, and by the way, your sins are forgiven? Why doesn't he do that? Well, it's Isaiah 40. Yahweh has come to forgive sins, yet he's fulfilling that. But I believe Jesus brings this issue up first. Because remember, there's a story in the Bible in John chapter 9. When Jesus encounters a blind man, and he's, he's going to heal this blind man. And, and Jesus' disciples come up to Jesus and go, Hey, Jesus, who sinned? Did this blind man sin or did his family sin? And what does Jesus reply? Neither. Neither. And neither can we assume that if someone is sick or going through a hard time, that God is angry with them. Right? I mean, I've, I've met people that if they find someone sick or they're going through a hard time, they're like, well, I think you've got some kind of hidden sin there. Or here, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Oh, you're not healed? Well, obviously it's not my prayer because I'm I'm righteous and my prayers are powerful. And if you're not healed, it's not me, it's you. You must have some kind of hidden sin in there. Is there something maybe in your family? Maybe it's your parents? I don't know because, you know, right? And and Jesus Jesus said, hey, don't, don't assume that. You are not God. You can't assume that. And this is the point Jesus is making. We can't assume that. God is not angry with you, right? Can you, can you imagine this paralyzed man? We, it doesn't tell us how long he's been paralyzed. But can you imagine how, I mean, maybe he's paralyzed all his life. Can you imagine what he knows, what other people think about him? Right? They think, oh, this guy's a sinner. Oh, you know, this guy, or, or God's abandoned him because of what he's done or maybe what his family's done. Or can you imagine what he, th- what he thinks about himself? That God is angry with me. God, God is angry with me. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe it's me. Maybe God, that's why God is, is punishing me. What Jesus addresses, I love this, Jesus addresses the man's spiritual and emotional state by saying, son, God is not angry with you. You know, there's some people who are listening to this right now. This is a word for you, that God is not angry with you. You're finding yourself, you just think, why is all this issues happening? Maybe, maybe, maybe God's angry at me. Maybe God has abandoned me. Come on, this is a word for you today. That Jesus will say to you, son, daughter, God is not angry with you. You are forgiven. And that's good news. Come on, that's good news. This is powerful because Jesus is redefining, redefining this man's view on who God is. God is not waiting for us to make a mistake so he can punish us. This, this, you know, we, some of us have this view of, of God's identity that God somehow is waiting for us to punish. He's waiting to punish us, waiting for us to make a mistake. We need to redefine our view of God. That is not our God. And Jesus is redefining our view on who God is. God is not waiting for you. Whatever you believe about yourself, whatever you think about God, whatever wreckage is in your past, God is not angry with you. He's here to offer you forgiveness. Come on. And a new way forward. That's good news. Verse 6. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming, right? Now blaspheming is a serious charge. You're, you're saying and you're doing, you're acting like you're Yahweh, and that's blaspheming. That's serious. That's a serious charge. So he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when we re- whenever we read the Bible and we miss a part, well, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they come to our aid by making these kind of statements. It, it, it causes us to pause and think, wait, what's going on here? Right? Because these guys, they're thinking, 
Yahweh is the one who can forgive sins. Jesus, remember Isaiah 40, right? Yahweh said that he will come personally to forgive sins. So who are you to claim to be Yahweh? Jesus. Who are you to claim this? Who do you think you are? See, that's what's going on here, right? Then verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things, right? See, the story is clear that, that, that Jesus knows what you're thinking. He's read your mail. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your story. So who do these guys represent? These guys, they represent Israel's political and spiritual institution. So when Jesus, he, when Jesus comes on scene, he's acting like, like even just coming into his presence, it's like coming into the presence of Yahweh. And these are the things that make these people who represent this institution, this is what make these, makes these guys really angry. And this is where it all starts. It all begins a charge of blasphemy. This is a politically and theologically charged moment. I don't know if you can see this in the story, where Jesus is offending these guys deeply, right? Because Jesus is claiming to be Isaiah 40 in him. He is Isaiah 40. He is Yahweh coming to forgive sins right before their eyes. And this is what Mark is claiming right in the beginning of Mark chapter 1. Let's get to verse 9. Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk, right? Which is easier? Come on, which is easier? Is it easier for me to, if I meet someone who's paralyzed? Is it easier for me, for me who's, who's not Yahweh? Is it easier for me to say, you know, stand, pick up a mat, and walk? Or to say, son, your sins are forgiven. It's obviously, if it's me, I'm not Yahweh. It's easier for me to say that, your sins are forgiven, Right? And I love this, I love this. Because, you know, Jesus also redefined which is the greatest miracle. Is the greatest miracle that, that this person is going to walk or the greatest miracle he's being forgiven? And what's your greatest miracle? Your greatest miracle is that God forgives you. There's no greater miracle than that. I love this. But I want you to know that the Son of Man, and, ah, oh, Son of Man, read Daniel 7. Daniel 7, Daniel 7. Again, this is hyperlinked to Daniel 7. Daniel 7 is, 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 a, is a Yahweh figure. Uh, yeah, the Son of Man is a Yahweh figure in person, right? And so here he goes. Jesus, straight away, he's connecting himself to Daniel 7, that he's this Yahweh figure. But I tell you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I am Isaiah 40 before your eyes. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up took his mat, walked out in full view of them all, this amazed some of them. This amazed everyone. They praised God saying, we have never seen anything like that. So what does it look like when Isaiah 40 comes true? What does it look like? What does it look like when Yahweh comes personally to announce the good news to his people? and to bring healing and mercy to the weak and justice on the arrogant. What does it look like? Mark, according to Mark, says it looks like Jesus. Years after the prophet Isaiah, years later, 100 years or so after Isaiah, the prophet Ezekiel has a similar, has a similar vision to Isaiah, Isaiah 40. And Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 15 to 16 this is what Ezekiel will begin to reveal more of who, who Yahweh is. In Ezekiel 34, verse 15, says, says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. 
I myself will make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. Right? So who's the shepherd? It's Yahweh. Yahweh. Yahweh is the shepherd. Yahweh is the shepherd of Isaiah 40. He is the shepherd that's going to come and he's going to hold the lambs close to his heart and he's going to come and he's going to pay attention to the very need that's around him. The Yahweh is coming as the shepherd. The Yahweh is, a, I myself will be the shepherd. It's Yahweh. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak, the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. The Yahweh is the good shepherd of Isaiah 40. The Yahweh is the good shepherd in Ezekiel chapter 34. That the shepherd, the good shepherd is coming. Jesus knew exactly who he was. Mark knew exactly who he was. The apostles knew exactly who he was. Jesus said in, in John chapter 10 verse 1, I am the good shepherd. Come on. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He is the I am that I am. And I am that who I am is with you. I am Isaiah 40. I am Ezekiel 34. I am the good shepherd. So who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? It's clear what Mark is saying Jesus is. It's clear who Jesus is claiming who he is. Who do you say Jesus is? Through the filter of the Bible, beginning to end, it's a unified story. Jesus is Yahweh become flesh. Jesus is the I am. I love this. Jesus came to this paralyzed man saying, Son, God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. Some people in here, you're watching this, either live or back on YouTube. God is not mad at you. Come on. Whatever you think about yourself, whatever you've done, that is not the issue right now. The issue right now is Yahweh who brings salvation. Jesus is standing right here telling you, you are forgiven. Come on. God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. He's, you need to hear that. God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. See, I don't know your story. But Jesus knows your story. He's read your mail. He knows your story. And his words to you is this. Your past does not define you. It does not define what I think about you, says the Lord. Whatever you believe about yourself, whatever you think about God, whatever wreckage is in your, in, in your past, God is not mad at you. He's here to offer you forgiveness, a new way forward. And that is good news. So whatever guilt, whatever shame or regret you are carrying, you don't need to carry that anymore. You need to bring that to Jesus. See, God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you.